Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. So we're going to start this morning because I have a very important question I have to ask you, and I'm going to need some responses. So don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Let's, let's just let's talk it out, okay? What is your favorite sound? What is it? What's your favorite sound? A baby. A baby giggles? What else? A violin. A violin. Ooh. A violin, yeah. What, are, what is your favorite sound? Yes. Point shoes. Point shoes. Okay, that's a very specific statement. You say hitting a ballet shoe against a wall? A point shoe specifically. Reed, what you got? You like a violin too, just like your dad. Wonderful. Rain. rain. Ooh, a nice thundery rain. Yeah. I, I have to say one of my favorite sounds is always going to be like a 1969 Camaro SS with a 396, right? Just hearing that beastly motor revving up. Oh, that's a good sound. Seven, yeah, that's my life. <laughs> I'm going to have a seven-cylinder V8. Yeah, uh, I had that with a Mustang. That happened. Um, but, but I, like, what, what shocks me is, like, this is the perfect answer. Like, a, a kid's laughter is, like, my favorite sound of all time because kids are so wonderful. Like, you know, one of my favorite laughs is actually Reed's laugh. Reed has a wonderful laugh, and it's infectious, right? I remember when Levi was a little boy, I used to rap to him, Vanilla Ice. Like, he loved it, and he would just chuckle. His little round cheese head, it would just, he would just laugh so hard, and you couldn't stop laughing when he would laugh. If I had to choose, a, like, my single favorite sound, that's it. It's a, a child or a baby laughing. The, the laughter of a kid, it, it kind of tickles us right in a place in our heart that makes us want to laugh too, right? It's infectious. And, and kids' laughter, it's never fake. They're not like, ha, 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 Kids laugh like full involved laughter. And when you really get them going, it just, it's just so funny to watch. Like we as adults are trained, like we, we have to maintain our laughter. We have to control it because we don't want people to see us like belly laughing, like neck rolls, <laughs> like chuckling. Like we, no, we have to control it. But kids, they just let it all go, right? So older kids are my jam. I did youth ministry for 17 years. I, I knew that you guys probably had heard that before, and I loved every minute of being a youth pastor. It was wonderful. But once a year, I got to always help in the children's ministry when it came time for VBS, right? Everybody know VBS? Vacation Bible School. So the churches that I've been a part of usually have a pretty decent children's ministry, and parents love dropping their kids off at a church for a week so the kids get to spend time with other kids and get to learn more about the Bible. VBS was a big deal at the church I came from to come to, to plant this church here. And one of my favorite things was that we had this really big activity room that we turned into a space that looked a lot like this. And we had all the lights and we had a fog machine. Okay, we had a fog machine. Kids love a good fog machine. Who knew, right? And it was mounted in the ceiling. And so every, every night when we were closing out worship, we would turn that fog machine on at just the right moment. Like there was a lull in a song or something. We would hit the fog machine and it would just 
and just cover everyone. The kids would be like jumping and screaming and like yelling and like it was just wonderful to see their reaction. Like they loved being there. They felt safe and they were just fully involved in what we were doing. It was wonderful. But outside of that one week a year, I just don't do little kids very well. Okay, I just, I don't. But kids can be wonderful. They can also be a little tiring. Kids are a challenge, but they're one of the most joyful things I think we possess as resources, right? Kids are incredible. So Jesus determined that the time had come and he was going to make his way to Jerusalem. He knew what was going on. He knew that Jerusalem meant the end of his travels here on earth, but his disciples didn't quite get it yet. And so Jesus was, you know, moving towards the city. And as he went to Jerusalem, people began to follow him like they did because Jesus was somebody who drew people to himself. And along the path to Jerusalem, Jesus stopped to teach people, right? And while they were on this journey, something happened that kind of began to change the opinion of the people of Jerusalem towards children, Not only did his message bless those who had intentionally sought him out, but he was also able to bless some kids. Like when you're a parent, you don't leave your child at home very often, right? Especially if they're super young. And so you would bring them with you everywhere you go. And that was the same truth that happened in the the ancient times as well. Sometimes you just had to bring a child along with you. And in this instance, Jesus took some time and called out these little kids and began to bless them. What he said and what he did in the setting of these children continues to leave believers with a valuable lesson about being childlike in our own relationship with Jesus. So we've got a long scripture today. It comes from the book of Mark. We're going to read basically the whole chapter of Mark, starting, sorry, the whole chapter of Mark 10. Uh, 1 through 52. So if you've got a Bible, bring it along for the ride. You can make notes in the margins. If not, you can follow along on the screen. It'll be here for you. So here's what scripture says for us today. And again, this is Jesus making his way to Jerusalem and teaching people about what God wants for them. Jesus then left that place and he went into the region of Judea across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him and as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. Well, they said Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Jesus' response is funny. He says, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. Jesus replied, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. And then the story shifts. Verse 13 starts, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and he blessed them. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and he said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or field for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what, he was going, or what was going to happen to him. You're going to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want from me? Or what do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism, sorry, with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting along the roadside, begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received sight 
and he followed Jesus along the road. So this is a lot, right? This is a lot. I just want to give you the full context of what Jesus is doing. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he knows he's going to be crucified and he doesn't stop doing what God has called him to do. So let that be a message to us, first of all, that even in the midst of us going to trial, going through heartache, going through literal hell, we need to be doing what God has called us to do. When life gets tough, we don't stop doing what God has called us to do. We dig in and we go further. And that's really easy, right? Jesus remained steadfast in telling the people about what God expects. So in the midst of all this teaching, Jesus points out to his disciples that the key to his kingdom, everything that Jesus has taught about, the key to it meant possessing a faith that looked like the faith of a child. Every other piece of Jesus' teaching kind of hinges on that. Right? If you go back in time, you get to see that, that Jesus is he's teaching and he's leading the people to the kingdom of God. He's telling them about what God expects. He's healing people, I'm sure. And he's just, he's giving a good word. And parents recognize how important Jesus is. And they're bringing their kids, just touch him. Just bless my son. Bless my daughter. Just, just please, God. Jesus, just touch them. Be there. Love them like you're loving us. And the disciples say, no, 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 no. You guys, this is not for kids. This is adult, grown-up stuff. Like, we know what we're doing. These kids, get, just, just go give them a nappy time and, you know, let them be on their way. This is for you. Hear God's word. And Jesus stops them. No, 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 that's not the way. In order for anything for you guys that you have seen or experienced or heard up to this point, for you to get that fully, you have to look to the example of our children. And I'm sure that kind of stuck with them. It would have been really, really odd for them to hear that. And we're going to talk a little bit more about why. So these parents start showing up and they start bringing their kids and the disciples stop them. And it says that Jesus looked at his disciples with, do you remember the word? What was the word Jesus looked at his disciples with what? Indignation. Can anybody give me a good definition of what indignation is? What do you think? Don't even give me a good definition. Give me a moderately okay definition of indignation. What is it? Anybody? What? Disgrace. Disgrace? Did you just Google that? You cheater. You got your phone in your hand. Okay, so, so Jesus looked at them with disgrace. That's, that's a pretty good word. Yeah. Disgust. Do what? He looked at them like he was dumbfounded. What are you doing? Yeah, that's a good one. Disappointment, like, oh, guys, you're, you're nailing it. This is good. So um, I looked it up earlier, so don't, don't feel bad. Like, I, I, I need to make sure. Listen, you looked it up. Uh-huh, right, sure. So here's what, here's what indignation really means. Indignation is anger or annoyance provoked by what is perceived as unfair treatment. So he's seeing, Jesus is looking at these children being treated unjustly. And he gets pretty ticked off about it. Angry and annoyed are the exact feelings that Jesus felt. Have you ever been angry and annoyed? Have you ever been angry and annoyed at children? Yes, right? Like we could all say that. But Jesus is looking at it in a very different perspective. He sees these kids and he sees that they're not able to at least come and be a part of what he is doing. And he gets angry and annoyed. The disciples wanted the kids out of the way. Maybe they considered children nuisances, as many of us sometimes do. 
Maybe the kids were a little needy. Maybe they were talkative. Maybe they dropped their toys. Maybe some of them were crying. I bet some of them were hungry. Mommy, are we there yet, right? Those are kids. Maybe some of them were a bit loud or cried. Whatever the reason was, the disciples thought these kids need to be somewhere else. But Jesus wanted them there with him anyway, right? Believers today kind of continue to grapple with the same attitude that Jesus' disciples had sometimes. Do you ever look at kids today and think, man, what a mess? Do you ever look at kids and think, holy cow, could you just take some Ritalin, right? (laughs) Sorry, should I not have said that? (laughs) Kids are so excitable. Kids are just everywhere. They're bouncing around sometimes. Sometimes kids do things that are annoying. Sometimes kids break stuff. But guess what? Y'all did it too, right? Okay. At times, children may be considered a nuisance. Maybe you specifically uh, subscribe to the idea that children should be seen and not heard. Have you ever known somebody that just doesn't like kids at all? Like somebody who is like, wants kids just gone, like all of the kids gone in the world. Like, I have that friend. I have a friend who hates children. And I'm like, okay, now listen, you're a little extreme, but no, he hates children, hates them. He is also a flight attendant and deals with some of the worst instances of children being children in all the world, right? So he just never going to have kids, doesn't want to adopt kids, doesn't want to be around kids. You can keep your kids to yourself. He's just, he's just that guy. And we have to really hear what this story is telling us in order to see why Jesus is intentionally showing up and accepting these kids. Sometimes we can begin to think like these disciples and say, you know what, this particular group of people, children, um, are awful and Jesus needs to be for us, right? We have worked really hard to become adults, haven't we? Like we have trained for it. We have gone to school for it. We took classes on how to be good parents and good adults. We have got jobs that prove to the world that we can take care of ourselves. There are things that we have done that make us superior. We are the pinnacle of humanity as adults. And sometimes we forget that we have to love these kids in a way that trains them up in the way that we have become, right? If you're sitting there thinking, I struggle with little kids, you're not alone. But be careful with that thought. Don't let yourself become that crotchety old person who has no patience for little ones and sometimes screams, get off my lawn. You ever known that guy that really does that? I, didn't, I missed something funny over here. I thought that's me. Oh. Is our camera locked? Because it needs to be following me. I just, maybe I locked it. There we go. All right. All right, because I'm moving a lot. So sorry, friends. Um, Sometimes, guys, we have to soften our hearts because kids need loving and good people to live into their lives, right? We as Christians shape the future of the world by authentically loving people like Jesus does. 
especially the next generation. If we are not loving kids the way that we have experienced Christ's love, then the love of Jesus might stop with us. Here's one of the hardest things we've had to deal with in the pandemic is opening the children's department and then shutting it down and then opening it again and then shutting it down because we can't get enough people to love our kids. Don't get, sorry, I don't, I don't mean that you don't love our kids. Let me be very clear on that. Some of us have become unwilling to deal with the mess the kids are, right? Fair? And we don't have somebody specifically paid to do it, and so now it becomes somebody else's job. Well, I'll, I'll serve coffee. I'll uh, take temperatures. I'll, but just don't put me in a room with kids. Everybody's like shaking their head. No, don't do it. No, yeah. It's tough. But we have to be like Jesus, and we have to say, guys, they need Christ more than we do, Right? Little kids need authentic, loving relationships so they can pattern their lives off of our faith. And if we're not careful, that same mentality of, well, listen, I just don't want to be by those people, those little people, the ankle biters, right? Like, I don't want to be by them. I don't, if we're not careful, that mentality might spread over into other people groups. Well, I don't like children, and I don't like this subset of people, right? And it becomes an, an ever-increasing downward spiral. If we think it's okay for us to not love this group, it might be okay later for us not to love this group. And we have to be very careful of that. This mentality can spiral out of control pretty quick. Well, I don't want to volunteer with kids. Well, I don't want to volunteer with people who are not as well off as I am. I don't want to volunteer to take temperatures at the door because, you know, I might have to shake a hand and these people are dirty or whatever. Like, we have to be cautious. We have to guard our hearts. So if we think back into Jesus' time, society was very differently structured, right? So there was a social order at the top was the wealthy political elite, right? There were the people who were uh, kings and um, you know priests and things like that were the top of the pinnacle of society. And then you got to go a little bit further down Then there was like the, the, the military commanders and there were soldiers. Then there were just you know basic men and then women. And at the very, very bottom were like the poor men and the poor women. And then even below the bottom were the kids. They were a burden to society until they were able to contribute, right? I tell my kids all the time, you are only a burden to me until you can contribute. Get a job. I don't care that you're 12, get a job, okay? That's the way that they looked at children back in this time. They, were, they contributed nothing. They were constantly taking, right? I've literally had adults in churches that I've worked at in the past. Why do your children hate coming to church? Why do the kids in our youth group, why do they come to your youth program at, on Wednesday night, but why don't they come on Sunday morning to church? Well, I love them and want them to be there. You only want them to be there because it fills your seats, right? The mentality is different and kids know it. They know when they feel loved and when they don't, right? And they don't want to go somewhere where nobody really cares about them. Sometimes kids get dragged along whether they want to be there or not. And I imagine in this instance, they were probably treated like they were outsiders. Hey, I'm going to go hear this guy speak, and eventually you're going to need to eat, so I guess you should follow me, right? And so they show up, and the children are there, and, and they, the parents recognize how important the message of Jesus is, and so they're like, oh, gosh, touch my child. Please throw off some of your Jesus, like, Holy Spirit on these kids. 
And so they bring their kids to Jesus and there's a wall between them and Jesus that's people, disciples. Wait, wait, wait. You want Jesus, the teacher, like our teacher to come and like bless the worst, the lowest on our social ladder? No, I don't think so. Take your children and go somewhere else. Friends, when we can look at the example of Jesus in this moment and we can authentically love young ones, we can make a difference in their lives that will play out throughout the entire world. So we're looking at the story and we see that with the children nearby, Jesus taught his disciples about the only way that one could enter the kingdom of God is if they look to their example. So here's what I find hilarious. Like Jesus didn't take the disciples aside and like huddle up and say, all right, guys, here's the deal. You can't treat children poorly. You have to love them, right? This is me in a huddle with the disciples, right? You can't treat children like this. You have to love them. No, no, no. He doesn't do that. He is within earshot of all these kids. He's wanting to tell them exactly how important he feels about them. He doesn't take them aside and say, all right, guys, we got to do better. No, he says it right here, friends. We need to let the children come because the kingdom of heaven looks like this because he wanted the children to know how valuable they are. And they never heard that. They didn't get approval from their parents. The, the parents didn't love children like we do today. Children were, they were a necessity in order to continue on family lineage and property and things like that. They were not loved and cared for like we love and care for children today. Jesus looks at his disciples. And after all the work, after all the following, and his disciples later on said, God, Jesus, we gave up everything so we could follow you. After all of this, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, guys, I just want you to be more like that. I want you to be more like these little kids. What do we know about little kids, right? Do we know that they believe every single word that comes out of your mouth? Oh, yes, they do. Until they're proven wrong, I have told my kids that I know everything and they believe it. What, you know, you... Okay, you may not now, but you did. There was literally a time like where I would ask my kids, like, who knows everything? You do, Dad. Yes, that's right, I do, right? Because they believed it because they had faith in me. They trusted me as their parent to love them well. Friends, we have become a very skeptical society where we approach everything with skepticism and fear first, rather than a belief and a trust first. So we've flip-flopped. And Jesus is saying, oh, no, no, we need to bring it back around. We need to fully love, fully invest, fully dive into faith like these children do. Kids believe the things that you say because they, they have just this beautiful innocence about them. And Jesus is saying, you have to be that way in order for the kingdom of God to really make a difference in your life. You can't get to where we're going unless you look like these guys. Unless they receive the kingdom of heaven like a child, they're going to be left out. Sometimes we have to put our adulthood behind us. Sometimes we've got to forget about the degrees and the knowledge and the work to just have faith and just believe like a child, we must come to Jesus in helplessness and entrust our lives to Christ with a childlike faith.
I don't mean helpless, like you can't change your own clothes. I mean, we have to recognize that there is nothing we can do to help Jesus in our salvation process. We are helpless. We can't do it by ourselves. We can't do it on our own. We have to let Jesus do it for us. We have to come to faith helpless like a child. It's the way that children are helpless that sets an example for us. For example, they can't work at a job to supply resources for their food, their clothes, their housing, their education. They can't do that on their own. But you know what? Kids don't worry about it. My kids don't get up in the morning going, geez, it's eight o'clock, I'm gonna be late for work because they don't care. They know that they're provided for, they're loved, they're taken care of. They don't seem to be troubled at all by placing their trust in someone who cares for them, an adult. Just like that, they trust Jesus easily and we should be no different. We're called to come to Christ with a childlike faith, an inherent trust rather than an inherent skepticism. And that's hard. So let's talk about Jesus blessing the children. We've talked about blessings in here before. Okay, so we've talked about somebody you probably know. You remember the story of Jacob and Esau, right? So Jacob was the trickster and he stole his brother's birthright for a bowl of stew and then also dressed up like a goat. Well, sorry, he dressed up in goat hair to convince his father that he was his older brother to receive his blessing. It's an infamous story because blessings were important. It was a critical family event it was uh, a very formal process at times. And sometimes little brothers got really jealous, just like Jacob did, and would do whatever it took to get that blessing for themselves. Blessings were important. And here we have Jesus blessing these kids. Later on in, in Genesis chapter 49, we can see that Jacob later on, who stole the blessing from his brother, gave all of his sons a blessing that served as kind of this approval for them. All of his sons, except for one. Could you imagine not being, not receiving a blessing from your parent, like being the only one left out? For some of us, we've experienced that, not being blessed by our families, not being blessed by our parents. And it hurts, doesn't it? In our day, blessing doesn't usually involve a formal big ceremony but it still matters to our children when they grow up to become an adult. If you get a blessing, it's usually in this society, it's not that big of a deal, but we definitely know when we don't get our parents a blessing for something, right? If you're in a relationship and your parents don't want you to be in that relationship and you know they don't want you to be in that relationship, it hurts. When Jesus blessed the children, he supplied believers in that moment with a reminder of just the blessing he pours out when we begin to trust. Jesus did something incredible in that moment. He shifted a mentality and he said, guys, sometimes you gotta stop worrying about all the things in life to earn your salvation. And sometimes you just have to know that it's there. You have to hear Christ's words and say, you are a part of something bigger than you. And you have to believe it. You have to just embrace it. Jesus went to the cross to prove a point. It's that we are all his children anyway. 
And we have to look at one another and recognize that we have a role and a responsibility. Even though we may have received a blessing from our parents, nothing matches the blessing we receive knowing that Christ has saved us, right? Paul has an affirmation of praise to God for the blessing, for Jesus' blessing of us in Christ. So I'm gonna show this. This comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter one, verses three through 10. It says this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Jesus blesses those little children just like that. And he says, guys, this is what heaven looks like. It's gonna be bruised elbows. It's going to be snotty noses. It's going to be laughter that's infectious. It's going to be a joy that we don't even understand at times because the kingdom of God looks like little kids. As weird as that sounds to us as adults who've trained and fought and, you know, worked our whole lives to understand what God wants. And then God says, nope. And he spins everything around and says, you have to let go of you in order to embrace this childlike innocence that God created us all with. The scripture tells us that, that when Jesus shows up in the lives of kids, in the lives of the poor and the broken, he always has something to challenge us, to change us. And in this moment, he elevates the lowest of the low and says, you can't even go to heaven unless you look like the lowest of the low. Sometimes we have to remember that the example that Jesus sets is one that we have to live out every single day. Sometimes we have to be the people that elevate the lowest of the low. Sometimes we have to recognize that others' needs comes first. But most importantly, we have to love and have faith like a child, giving ourselves fully to the work of the kingdom. When kids love, they love with their whole hearts. And we have to be like that too. So friends, I invite you today to come to Jesus with your whole heart. Come to Jesus not being afraid of what's coming up, not having to worry about what you have to do to earn God's love because you've, you just being alive is enough. So friends, no matter where you are, you have to recognize that you are a child of the Most High. So now let's go from this place and live like it. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.